You know, I think about the decision you made. Maybe I was being naive, but I believed that we would grow old together in this house. That we'd spend holidays here and have our grandchildren come visit us here. I had this image of us all gray and wrinkly and me working in the garden and you repainting the deck. Things change. If you need this, Jack, if you really need this, I will take these kids from a life they love and I'll take myself from the only home we've ever shared together and I'll move wherever you need to go. I'll do that because I love you. I love you. And that's more important to me than our address. Greetings, happy holidays, whatever it is that you celebrate and observe in your life. We'd like to welcome you to the Cinema 9 podcast, a beautiful show about life and film. That's Travis Roy. Hi. That's Eric Branch. Hello. That's Eric Branchum. And I'm Michael Govier. We're going to talk about not right away. In fact, I saw a comment yesterday on our YouTube channel, a complaint about no timestamps. Jeez, it took you an hour to talk about the actual movie you're promoting. And you know what? That's fair. That's if you're newer thing. to the show. Yeah, if you're newer to the show, you don't know our routine. We should probably put timestamps in. And I'll try to maybe adjust to that going forward. Because really, we usually spend about the first half hour talking about some other stuff. Movies we watch, we'd like to recommend. So, I'm sorry. If you feel mm. like we let you down to that person. We'll try should to be we, better? we give up? We could. We could definitely give up. But knowing us, I, I think we're going to hang in there. You know, we've... Aww. It was a challenge just to get this show off the ground because we're supposed to be talking about Fight Club today, but unfortunately, our special guest, Mr. Freeling, what happened with Paul, Travis? Oh, Paul, um, uh, he had something come up. 
It was a recital. There was a recital. He didn't. He was mm. unaware of a recital. So uh, maybe not the best time for him. It, it, yeah, it's definitely been kind of a um, uh, hard getting this one off the ground. This episode. Yeah. It's been a challenging last few months for the show, but we always do the show. We want to do the show. And like Eric told me earlier in the text thread, <laughs> just follow the mantra. You always have fun when you actually do the show. Right, Eric? Isn't that true? Yeah, Mike. That's uh, my credo. That's great words to live by. Anxiety <laughs> is in full effect constantly all day until about six o'clock when you're like, you know, this could be fun. I'll never, I'll ne I, I'm, I feel for you. I, I'll never understand it, but I feel for you. Because for me, it's like, you know, I love my friends. I love movies. I love talking movies with my friends. I look forward to this all week. I have, I have zero dread. Um, so I don't know. Sucks for you. That's, yeah, well, I don't know what it is. I, it's something about my life and the way my being has been created where I dread things that I like doing. And it, it just comes up beforehand, but whenever I do it, I never regret it. So it's just a weird dichotomy in my brain. And you don't need to worry about that, folks. We're here for you. Travis Roy, Eric Bradshaw, Michael Govier, cinnamonipod at gmail.com. No Paul Freeling this week. We will have Paul on hopefully soon, maybe at the beginning of the new year, next month. And we'll do Fight Club, but we're not going to do Fight Club today. Today's no. show, when we get into the meat of it, the focus, the center, will be Travis's choice. Travis was quickly asked to come up with a selection on the fly and what did you choose i chose 2000's the family man oh, a nick cage film a holiday fantasy me. directed by brett ratner ratner brett ratner back to back weeks brian singer and brett ratner oh, yeah. damn think about that whoopsie oh, uh, you know yeah. canceled week they're not related yeah it's just coincidence trust us but we'll get into the family man in a little bit we do have some emails guys did you see this oh, that we have oh, a couple emails i don't even see that but i, I while we're well, looking that up i'd like to also thank our recent reviews we got some very kind reviews in the last week or two and that's okay. always much appreciated <laughs> and helped us more than you know not just like our egos although that's part of it uh, it actually <laughs> helped us to you know have get more listeners so that's cool uh, yeah, that's great. If you've never reviewed our show and you've been listening for a few years or you're newer to the show, take the chance. Give us a holiday gift of a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify or whatever platform you use. There's usually a rating. Give us a thumbs up, a like, a follow, whatever it is. It takes a quick moment and we would be grateful, wouldn't we, Eric? Yeah, speaking of being grateful, Travis, did I ever pay you that $20? Remember when we made that bet that Tom Berenger was in training day and I swore up and down that that was Raymond Barry? And you said, no, Tom Berenger is in uh, training day. And I was like, the hell he is. I bet you $20 he isn't. And you won. I don't think I ever paid you. Um, do you want my cash app? Um, <laughs> I'll give it to yeah, you right now. I'll throw you the $20 because this, <laughs> this has been eating me up all week. Behringer oh, game. Wow. That was like 15 years ago, wasn't it? I know, but it just popped in there. Like, did I ever pay him? Yeah, <laughs> send me that over the uh, off the air. Send it on the air. Let anybody send you money. Hell, send me money. Yeah. MJ Govier, Michael Govier, something yeah. like that. Whatever yeah, it is. Venmo, Cash App, PayPal. Send me money. Yeah. I'll take money. I like money. I like money. <laughs> I like money. Yeah, that'll be fun. Money's cool. It's not all about money, but it certainly doesn't hurt. I will say that. Mm. 
true. So we got an email from Steve, our pal Steve, who's really dove into Cinema 9 lately. We love that oh, yeah. he's been more involved. And by the way, special shout out to Steve, who did a special episode of Is It Safe With Us yesterday. You can oh. check that out if you want to. Yeah, he he jumped in. He wanted to do a show for a while, and we finally got it done. It was me, him, and Luke just doing a quick hour episode. So if you want to check out what Steve he sounds like, he's a very, very intelligent and funny dude check out the is it safe podcast uh, at your leisure hmm. should be fun okay. yeah it was good good to see steve he i you know some people they bring out the laughter in me more than others i don't know why that is but i just he as soon as i see his face i start chuckling it's really weird. <laughs> it's a strange is that an insult uh he's no, it's not yeah i know it sounds terrible <laughs> right but no it's it's just because I just see his face, and he could just go, huh, huh, and it makes me laugh. Yeah. Well, you know, something funny's funny coming. So. Like if you see him, you know, you know, comedies yeah. are coming. So. Yeah, yeah, he'll have a line for sure. Anyways, he sent us an email. All it says is, "Spread it on, pass it mm -hmm. around." And there's a link, a hyperlink, and I click on the link and open letter. Five hundred plus historians support the railway workers. So it's about oh, yeah, the I railroad strike, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it was about the railway strike. Um, you know, hearkening back to the great upheaval and all that kind of stuff. Great strike of 1877. Oh. I think a lot of historians were coming out of the woodwork to be like, hey, let's let them have sick days. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> and mm. everyone went, no. No. Never. Great job, America. We will not support people. Great job, <laughs> America. Great job. Wow, that's so funny. I just had that button loaded earlier, so it was apropos. Look. Yeah. We support we support workers here at the show. I think that's fair to say, right? Sure. Full on socialist. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. See, we run the gamut. Sure to full on socialist. I'm right there in the middle with both those guys. So let's do it. Let's support people, especially during holiday season. They're just people like you and I trying to survive. Then we got an email from Chad. Oh, that was the email. Oh, all right. Hey, yes. Yeah. Former co-host of the now uh, defunct podcast travis the the brief shining light that was the best film podcast with chad and travis yep. good show it was a promising show six episodes or so well, i listened vladimir putin had other plans for our podcast and he, and he invaded and <laughs> everything ended when that happened <laughs> literally that's <laughs> funny because that is literally true that's hilarious yep, yep. <laughs> yeah yeah that's crazy well chad wrote us uh, by the yeah Oof, not cool chad wrote us an email but also, Steve hit me up recently about this Paul Schrader bit, which was, it's great. Whenever we can talk Paul Schrader on the show, those of us that know the Cinema 9 show, we have referenced Paul Schrader many times. Of course we all have copies of the um, movie you got us for Christmas more, last year, Travis. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Was that last year? It was last year. And I'm looking forward to, to this. I was going to, I mean, I might as well bring it up now while we're already talking about Paul Schrader because his wife is in this movie. Mary Mary Beth Hurt is his, oh. uh, is his secretary. Jack's secretary, yeah. Oh, long-time wife, the long-time wife of Paul Schrader, Mr. Paul Schrader. I did not know that. Okay, yeah. living with Schrader, well, the Mary Beth Hurt. <laughs> yes, uh, she's got an Instagram or something. I might have to follow her. We can get some more insight on Paul Schrader's life if they're still married. They are, but yay, Paul Schrader talk. All right, so Always. Steve mentioned this. This is an open letter that another open letter, not just the railroad one. This was related to Paul Schrader, and it was about this recent situation with uh, some movie that I've never heard of. Yeah, he so. said that to me, too. So, so Sight and Sound really um, mm. 
pretentious but important mm-hmm. film film journal film magazine um they released their like top 100 100 movies i think yeah. it is every year what it ends up being more like it's like a hundred i don't know they have this a weird ranking system because like three out of four three or four movies will be tied for the same space and then they'll skip anyways uh and the movie oh. that won this year was 1970 somethings I don't know, French woman name something something. He's probably got it in the in the letter there. Do you know Eric the name of the Yeah, Gene Dealman? Jean Dealman? Yeah, it's causing an uproar this year. It's nonsense. Jean Jean Dealman. Yeah, uh, Gene Pops Vertigo yeah. and Citizen Kane. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, let's okay. Look, if I've you want to check that out. I've never seen it either. I don't yeah, know anything, so yeah. Anyways, Google that. Check it out if you love a good controversy and if you love Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader has his own opinions and he's yeah. entitled to them. And he was pissed, right? I mean, that was that was the gist of the of the letter. He was pissed. He was pissed. That is putting it mildly, actually, James <laughs> Cromwell. That's well, putting it mildly. There you go, James. I have a feeling if uh, if that particular film wasn't on their 2021 like even top 10, then they can fuck off. They're just full of shit. Somebody recently saw it on the staff and they're like, wow, it's a masterpiece. Put it at number one. Get some clicks. (laughs) (laughs) That is very common. I'm not surprised to hear that. All right, so Chad's email. Mm -hmm. Hey, it's about time you bozos brought Fight Club to the table. Uh Uh-oh. Sorry, Sorry, Chad. Uh Mm. Not going to happen today. I'll be darned if this film didn't have a profound effect on all of us. We mentioned that last week briefly. At the very least, it made us all want to punch each other. (laughs) My apologies for any late-night Irish knucklers you Mm. guys may have received under the influence of this movie. Oh, my God. Chad (laughs) used to love playing Bloody Arms. We used to play that in high school. Bloody Arms. Not me. Oh, God. (laughs) He he went with uh, Eric and and Steve Lascaux. Uh, I remember Chad and me, and I obviously backed out because I am not a violent person by any stretch of the imagination, but we were like, yeah, let's start an actual fight club. And like, like yeah, let's do that. Like, obviously just missing the entire point of the film. You were going to do it behind Blockbuster after hours. <sighs> yeah, I'm not proud. <laughs> no, no somebody awesome. didn't want to fuck up their teeth. Somebody just got some teeth was, work done. And they were like, yeah, I just got that this work my- done. That was yep. my convenient excuse before I just full-on admitted, hey, hey, I'm a pacifist. I don't engage in violence. I don't want to punch my friends. <laughs> I don't want to punch my friends over anything. I don't want to punch strangers. I don't punch yeah. people. It's not a thing I do. <laughs> it was all the rage. What can I say? I yeah, I'm with you there. Hey, you know hey. what you got to do. Yeah. Uh, Chad concludes, it's also about time. You guys brought on legendary gentlemen and all-around impressive talent, Paul Freeling. Wah, wah. Yeah. He'll be on soon. He'll be Chad's on soon. Chad's going to be disappointed in this episode. <laughs> yes. Yep. He's looking. Chad says, looking forward to a rollicking show. Well, you'll have to wait a little bit longer, but I hope this show that we're doing now will still be rollicking. Chad says, I got five bucks saying we'll have a 50-50 draw for Fight Club. So he thinks Fight Club when it's actually done, which I assume when Paul does come on, we'll just do Fight Club still. He thinks it'll be a draw. But all right. So we'll see. There you go. Make your, make your best. Make your bets. Place your bets, everybody. If you want to be part of the show, cinnamonipod at gmail.com. Any old time you choose it. All right, Travis Roy, let's get over to you. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's that holiday season. You've been, you know, not feeling great. So I assume you've been watching some movies. Not feeling great is a dramatic understatement. I've, I've had, like, <laughs> the worst GI infection of my fucking life. I've lost 10 pounds in two days, two and a half days. It's been a rad, uh, just it's been a terrible time. 
uh, and not a lot of film watching actually. I kind of I did put mm. on like some of the MCO MCU shows and just kind of like vegged out. That was woo, my dog just had a moment. Um, These I are the put, moments. I did put on some of the MCU shows and um, kind of have those on while I roiled about in the on the couch and moaned in agony. Um, but <laughs> for that. I watched some movies. I watched um, The Bishop's Wife, which I'd thought that I hadn't seen before, but I had. And I was okay. That's why I don't really remember that one that much. It's one of those classics that, uh, I don't know, man. I'm just glad that Cary Grant bowed out of uh, It's a Wonderful Life to do this instead that year because, yeah, uh, this is, it's not, I mean, it's not bad, but it's not, it's not up my alley. I, I went with another Christmas movie, Better Watch Out. Um, from 2016 a, a horror movie with a different kind of premise i thought it was a interesting premise but at the very last like i watched it on peacock and peacock with like five minutes left of the movie like automatically just switched to the next thing and i was like well fuck what happened in the last five minutes and then i went eh, i don't care oh. <laughs> so when you don't care about the ending that's not good I actually did like the movie, all right. But like, once I like to get through Peacock, you go go through like two minutes of commercials at the start. Oh, hell of the movie. No. I'm, not, I'm not going through all that again. I'll just I went to Wikipedia and looked at it. Went okay. <laughs> um, I watched a movie because we we're also talking about when Paul is on, maybe discussing some films that we uh, want to stand up for. Some, um, mm. some films that sure. are controversial. So I watched that movie that I had in mind for that. So I'll bring that up when mm-hmm. it comes. Great up. show. Great. And lastly, I, I guess the one I'm recommending, although I didn't watch very much, was Bullet Train. I didn't, I it wasn't blown away mm. by Bullet Train, but I, I sure liked it. I was entertained by it. Another overly long blockbuster, <sighs> just like, my God, trim the fat off this fucking shit, you know? But I know it's, I haven't like a broken record with that, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting it to be as bad or worse than you, Eric. But I, I, I was entertained by Bullet Train. I, I, I think it's funny that studios now have to like, well, it's 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 not it's not a it's not a you know a franchise or like based on a book or anything. It's original IP, so we, we better you know slam it chock a block full of as many famous faces as we possibly can, or else people aren't going to go see it. Um, but <laughs> it was worth checking out for sure. Wow, dude! No okay. one watched Amsterdam. It just hit HBO Max. Nobody cares. I don't. Care I don't oh, are you kidding me? I, I totally fuck. care, but I don't have HBO Max. I can't oh. have it in Canada. I can only get it in America. They don't allow it here, so I'm have to figure out a way to watch it. I really, really want to watch it over the holidays really? for sure, Eric. It's priority. Yes, you'll be the first to report. I skipped yeah. over. I there's no way. I'll I'll watch it. There's definitely a way for me, but I'm not in any hurry. <laughs> I mean, you know, David O. Russell has slipped a bit, but I'm still in. He's he's done so much good work overall in his career that I'm uh, I'm very excited. It's a, it's a rare moment for me. I, you know, oh, Russell will probably still be a top five director all time for me. So, yes, I'm excited. I'm excited. What'd you watch, Dude, it's been a weird week because I uh, I busted back out my Columbo box set. <laughs> <laughs> I jumped back in and uh, it's got me. It's got a hold of me. Even though I've seen them all millions of times, it's got a hold of me. So it's hard to pull away from these episodes, but I have, and I, uh, I checked out, um, Imagine Entertainment, uh, Ron Howard and Brian Grazer's, uh, true crime series, uh, crime scene. Uh, they produced it. They, uh, there's a few installments. They center on the Texas killing fields, uh, Times Square killer and that, uh, Cecil Hotel story. Remember that Elisa Lamb story about that woman who went missing and oh. she was acting all fucked up in the elevator. Yeah. 
That's yeah, a sad it's story. Kind of a tricky story, but uh, a decent docu series. Nothing to write home about. Nothing you can't see on like Oxygen TV or some horseshit. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> dude. Um, what the fuck else have I been watching? Trash. I don't think I, I, yeah, I don't think I watched anything else uh, um, uh, aside from my top pick. Uh, so. This movie Skinamarink has been being talked about all over the internet. It's like this yeah. fucked up experimental horror movie. And the second I heard about it, I'm like, all right, where do I find this right now? I don't care if I gotta like rip it off a torrent. Like I'm calling all my like <laughs> torrent buddies, like my real sketchy friends that do nothing but rip movies. I'm like, where do I get it? Wow. I finally discovered it on uh yeah. That's what they get for uh, doing you a favor. Get called sketchy <laughs> friends in public. <laughs> I didn't name names. They know who they are and they're okay with it. And so was I. Uh I ended up finding it on Reddit. Um and I watched the films. It's really unlike anything I've ever seen. It's very ballsy, very strange, very experimental. It's kind of, it's the kind of movie that's like they're gonna get like zero stars on IMDb. Or it's going to have a lot of fans because it's just so odd. But uh, creepy. I, I really enjoyed it. It's going to hit Shutter uh, maybe in January, maybe February. But watch out for it. It's, it's, it's something different for sure. It's very odd. It's about these two kids who wake up and their parents are acting odd and all this strange stuff happens. And you, it's a mystery. It's very, very strange. Hmm. Uh, so I dug the film. And... Uh, yeah, other than that, I'm just interested to talk to the family man and see what Mike has cooked up because it's been a weird week. It's been a while. Thank you, Eric. There it is. Eric Branch of sharing his thoughts on film uh, in general. Yeah. And skin him a dinky dinky ding. Skin him a dinky dinky. I love you. No one likes what you're doing. Michael, <laughs> mute yourself. <laughs> Come on, man. Cheryl Lois and Bram, the elephant show. That's classic. Okay. So. I'll share a couple of movies, but I want to take this moment to give thanks to people who have supported the show over the years. The Cinema Nine Podcast is what this show's called. I'd like to thank Russell, our old friend Russell, who is the master of the bully gif. He sure. is, he's given us a lot of gifts online, or gifs, however you like to say them. And I asked him recently, I said, huh, you know, you have consumed us Pretty much since the beginning. How do you feel the show's going? And I said, do you feel it's stagnated at all? He said, I don't feel the show is stagnated at all. I just enjoy listening to people talk about movies. So the format strikes the right note for me. Sometimes I don't keep listening if I haven't seen the movie. That's because I don't want to ruin anything. But I always listen to you guys shoot the shit about what you've watched lately. So thanks, Russell. We appreciate that. Thanks, Russell. Thank you, brother. Yeah, going back to our point earlier about our, our format, that is something I think, I mean, I like that about our show personally in that anyone, you know, if you're a regular listener, you can jump in for the first half hour, but you don't have to know the movie necessarily. But yeah, we should definitely timestamp so people that want to get straight to it can skip our bullshit, I guess. <laughs> or, bullshit. or bullshit, which is, you know, half the show. <laughs> but Unless they like Paul Schrader. Unless they're into bully and Paul Schrader. Yeah, they're going to hear a lot about that. Yeah, Larry Clark and Paul Schrader. All right. <laughs> Woo! Okay, so last week I forgot to tell this story. So now I'm going to tell you the story that I previewed oh. and teased you guys. Remember? Oh, I'm ready. Yeah. I can't us. believe I forgot it. I can't believe I forgot it. So you met Destin Thompson. I wow. wish. I wish I met Destin Thompson. Of course, we all do. But I tweeted about. Okay, so I saw the teaser for that 90s show. That 70s show is going to be back but it's going to be the 90s version where mm -hmm. the parents are still there 
same characters, Kurtwood Smith and uh, that lady, right? So she's great, whatever her name is. Yeah, what? Yeah, she's awesome. She's been she's the mom in that seventy so show, and she was Seinfeld yeah. episode where she annoys Jerry. She's been around. She's always been the Wanda Vision. Oh yeah, that's right. So I tweeted about okay, this might be cool, and then. And I also tweeted about how much I love Kurtwood Smith. So this guy who follows me says, I got a great Kurtwood Smith story for you. And I was like, oh, really? Hell yeah. Okay. Clarence <laughs> Boddicker, the legend himself. Mm-hmm. One of the all-time best villains in cinema history. Kurtwood Smith Easily. is Clarence Boddicker. Easily. So uh, this is from uh, this is from Shawnee. His name's Shawnee. S-E-A-N-Y. Shawnee. So it's like Sean, but he's Shawnee. Got it. Shawnee says, years ago, I was a production assistant on a show called Viva Lachlan. I don't know that show, I don't think. Uh, Kurtwood was playing the father of the main character. So for one scene, he starts at an RV and walks into a casino. I was put inside the RV to cue him out, as is the usual. We had some sort of delay. So he and I, I was 20 years old at the time, have a good chunk of time alone together. Quick backstory. Growing up, my dad and I loved RoboCop. Always said Clarence Boddicker was the best bad guy of all time. Mm. So I tell Kurtwood this, and he could clearly see the gleam in my eye that it's legitimate. I also had another thing I'd seen him in where he discussed the two different versions of Layla by Clapton. (laughs) Okay, that's a side note. So he starts telling me, yeah, that role was fun because Paul Verhoeven let me play and make up some lines like... He then proceeds to perform every notable RoboCop line to me, an audience of one. Can you fly, Bobby? Guns, guns, guns. The Tigers are playing tonight. (laughs) Bitches leave. And more and more and more. Yeah, those are all Clarence. Kurtwood Smith. I've always held him in high esteem for that day. He could have just said thanks. Instead, he gave me a lifetime memory. Kurtwood Smith. Very cool. Beautiful story. That is. That is awesome. Thank you, Shawnee, for sharing that with me. And I'm so glad that I finally got to tell it because I love Kurtwood Smith and I love those moments like that. It just makes me like him more because he was cool. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I watched the film called The Family Man, which uh, I told Travis prior to air, I was, I I paid for it. I rented it off Amazon, which is something I always try to avoid doing, but uh, I didn't have it and I didn't, I was, I was in a pinch too. I wasn't at home. I was on the road, so I didn't. I didn't really have a lot of options. So I rented it. So I watched that. Of course, we'll talk about that shortly. And of course, I watched a movie I've never seen. Speaking of Paul Verhoeven, oh who's a guy, one of my favorite directors. I love Paul Verhoeven, but this is one of the only movies of his I have not seen. So I watched <laughs> Hollow Man. You guys oh, ever okay. seen Hollow Man? All right, it's not great. Wow. It's awful. It's so bad, man. Mm, and kind of famously bad. Mm. Yeah, but it's it's even worse now. So Hollow Man's about a guy, Kevin Bacon, who can be invisible, right? right. They come up with this. Mm-hmm. They try to make it. They try to ground it realism in a way, yep. like in a terribly, terribly, terribly done way. I mean, Christopher <laughs> Nolan did a much better job of grounding realism in Batman than Paul Verhoeven did with Hollow Man. And he's invisible. So... Some of the things that Kevin Bacon's character does in this movie is, un- I mean, in any time, any era, forget cancel culture. It's just like, whoa, yeah. uh, this is fucking crude and bogus as fuck. I was, I was blown away. 
I mean, uh, a couple of years ago, the, the the new Invisible Man came out, which was really, really good. But um, it was hardly the first one to take, you know, the Invisible Man and make him like a, you know, uh, irredeemable villain. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I'm, that's what stands out to me about that movie. There's some disturbing fucking scenes in there. That's all I really <laughs> remember about it. Yes, it's you. Yeah, great. She's great. In them. Uh, I love. Oh, what a so good. She's so good. She really is good in that film. Josh Brolin, her, and Kevin Bacon, and put uh, put aside the heinous shit that Bacon's character does. It's just it's just a strange film that's poorly done. It makes me really think that truly Verhoeven had to have been messed with by a studio. There had to have been a lot of battles that I haven't found the stories yet about, but I'm sure if I dig around, I'll find stories about how there was a lot of conflict about what Verhoeven wanted to do versus what the studio wanted. Remember, this is right after Starship Troopers, which was a hit, and yeah. of course, Total Recall and Robocop were already in his his tool belt. Wow. So, I think yeah. he checked out right after that, didn't he? Yeah. Wasn't that his last American effort for many, many, many years? I believe that is true. That was like last call for him. And Paul yeah. Verhoeven said, I'm out of here. I'm yeah. going back to the homeland and started doing movies in his own native language, which is something I'm going to get wrong because I always get it wrong. Dutch? No, it's Dutch. Yeah, yeah. Yes! <laughs> I got it right! <laughs> Dutch. That's, ho- that's Holland. That's Holland, right? Yeah. Holland. Yes, sir. The Yay! Well, I always get... I, I've got this thing in my brain, Denmark and... I made some mistakes when I was younger, but I got it right, so I feel very good about that. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Uh, okay, so yeah, Holobad's terrible. You could watch it once, but never watch it again. Uh, never watch it. Uh, I made a terrible mistake. I threw on the girl with the dragon tattoo, and uh, Leanne started watching it with me, and boy, it was just the biggest mistake in a long time because uh, <laughs> she's been having nightmares all week. Uh, in particular, you know, some terrible things happened to Rooney Mara in that film, and I... I was watching it by myself, and then she kind of just jumped in. I'm like, you should really leave. I did tell her. I'm like, you need to leave right now, because I know Leanne gets very sensitive about just scary movies in general. So to see some of the scenes that happen in the, the American version of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, whew, yeah, I regret that. I'm going to work even harder to make sure I keep Leanne from seeing anything that will just cause her pain, because she could not take it. And, uh, boy, yeah, it's been a tough week. So I learned a lesson about film. You gotta you gotta be careful with that. I'll never forget. I was on. A, I was I was recently dating a girl, and I took her to see um, Infinity War when it came out. And you know me, I'm like front row, like opening night. I'm super fucking stoked. I do. I I'm not really. I mean, she's clearly like not really. I don't know. You know, I don't look at her. I'm not. You know, I'm watching the movie. Yeah. You know, she's having a full blown panic attack the whole fucking movie because she's like losing her shit. But it's like early enough in the, in the whole thing that she doesn't want to like leave. And like, oh, you know, drag man. me out because she knows how excited I am. She just wanted to go because, like, I was going. I'm like, oh man, that's uh, I'm sorry. Never watched a Marvel movie with her again. Very delicate, very delicate that one. Mm. Yeah, some people, yeah. Some people are just like that. They really are. Yeah, film hits them so hard. It's it's something that I don't relate to because I, I don't like scary movies because I think they're dumb, but I'm not afraid of them. I just think they're stupid. But you keep and saying I'll, I'll, that, and, and yet every horror movie we bring on here, you say it holds up. So I don't know. If you <laughs> really know yourself that well. Well, I'll I'll grant you that. It's a season of giving. I'll give that to you. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And and I also watched uh, 2004's Kinsey with our old pal, Liam Neeson. A great movie. You're talking that up on uh, the podcast already referred to. uh, It's uh, Is it safe? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did mention that. That's right. Yeah. That's a Bill Condon feature, of course. Our old pal, Bill Condon. 
Well, Check out Kinsey if you've never seen it. I never it. saw that. Do they actually depict him like jacking off like babies like he did in real life? Like the ah! monster. Is that true? What the fuck? Is that... Please go is... back in time and delete that from our. Is that feed. true? Did you just is say that true? That? I, that happened. He did. He's known. Oh to do man! That. He I didn't with know that. And small children. He was a fucking. Oh asshole. man! You know what? Kinsey's a very Kinsey's about a guy Kinsey who tried to revolutionize our understanding of sex as humans as humans as, but from like an animal scientific perspective and he he made some progress in the film he's okay, depicted yeah. as a hero he is but he did stuff even in the movie eric he didn't mention that but shit gets weird in the movie where you're like oh man where's the line here between trying to expand our understanding of humanity versus uh i don't know like um giving people a venue or an avenue to kind of dive into their perversions. And this is from a Puritan perspective too, a society that, you know, know, we're a pruder society than some, but there's still a line for things. And it's just, it's a really fascinating movie. I strongly recommend Kinsey, but that's because I never looked into the details about his life. So if there's things that are just not mentioned that he's awful in a certain way, then I'll have to go back and look beyond the details because the movie itself is presented lovely with you know laura linney and liam neeson and alexander scars i mean uh peter skarsgård peter sorry alexander there's a, it's a great cast so i don't know i now you just made me realize boy maybe i'll never watch kinsey again now yeah, Shit. i want to enjoy the film but uh yeah, yeah. Little, well and little, i want to know the truth i want to live in reality i want to know the truth but i've been down it and it was rough yeah. Okay, thank you. Well, I want to know the truth. I prefer not to do the ignorance is bliss thing. So thank you for teaching me. Don't give up on me, Dad. All right, that's it. So I would recommend those films. All right, that means it's time to get into the main focus of our show. Now that we've completed the quarantine viewing picks, Travis Roy, Michael Goyer, Eric Branch of the Seven Night Podcast. On a happy fun note, it's time for Fucking the dead Family dog. Man. Ponders, man. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. That's right. In Hollow Man, there's a brutal murder of a dog. It's horrendous. Yeah, okay. I forgot. This is not oh, a, a pilot cleanser, man. I was just making uh, Casey Kasem reference. Yeah, but as soon as you said dead dog, it reminded me of that. I was like, oh, my God, that's another terrible point. Never watch Hollow Man, folks, especially if you love animals. So. The show's going off the rails. Oh, we're always <laughs> off the rails. It's the Cinema Night <laughs> Podcast, baby. It's time to do your selection, Travis. <laughs> the Family Man from 2000, directed by Brett Radner, starring Nicolas Cage. Travis loves Nicolas Cage. And of course, remember Tia Leone, Eric? Remember her? Oh, yeah, dude. The Naked Truth. I was there every episode. I love the Naked Truth. <laughs> oh, she was. Madam hey. Secretary, you watching that one? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, she was in. First time I saw her, I remember flirting with disaster. I was like, oh, who's that? Yeah, she was a mm-hmm. great actress, very entertaining. She's in this movie. And uh, Don Cheadle is kind of in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Three yeah. 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 Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. And I know people. Yeah, well, I'm sure you do. Take you, for instance, Alan. You have a certain energy about you. It's an active kind of energy. I wouldn't be surprised if you drank about 16 Diet Cokes a day. You're an excellent father, but you feel guilty about the time you spend away from home. You drink bourbon, but you offer your clients scotch. And your wife decorated this office. <laughs> Certainly seems to have your number. You're a little tougher, Peter. For one thing, you like expensive things. That's easy. You've seen my car. (laughs) You smoke Hoyota Monterey's? 
You're a Scotch man, single malt, not because it's trendy, but because you've been doing it for the last 40 years and you like to stay with what works. You have two great loves in your life, your horses and this company. And you're a man who prides himself in finding talent in unusual places. How would you know that? Because I'm here. I'm prepared to do whatever it takes to get this job. I'll start wherever I have to start. I'll park cars if I have to. The biggest part of judging character is knowing yourself, and I know this. I can do this job. I can. Give me a chance, Peter. I won't let you down. So, Travis, this movie's 22 years old now. It's a Christmas film, apparently. Take us back in time to your first viewing of The Family Man. Why do we do this? I have no memory for anything. I watched a movie once. I was, it was the year 2000. I have no recollection of it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Eric, what about you? You remember The Family Man? Your first time seeing it? First time, no. But um, this is in my uh, regular roster. I, I This is my Christmas present Ooh. wrapping movie. So I check in. <laughs> Every year, so I'm uh, I'm ready for this conversation. No kidding. So this is mm-hmm. okay. I didn't know that about you. I thought That's this right. was Travis's baby. That's well, right. I know it is for you. I, well, it's got Nick Cage, and it's a Christmas movie, so of course I'm all fucking over it. I gotta watch yeah. Trapped in Paradise next. <laughs> Almost Paradise. Okay. All right. So this is the Family Man, not Family Guy, by the way. Just in case you guys are wondering, and this is or the Weatherman for that matter. It's not that yeah, movie either. There it is. There it is. God damn it. As soon as Travis chose this movie, I was like, oh, God, the weatherman, the family man, both Nick Cage movies, five years apart. Ah, my brain can't handle it, apparently. But I definitely, definitely remember first time I saw this movie. And I saw this movie a few times because it was one of the first movies that I had access to it through pay-per-view somehow. Hmm. You know, like a movie, you could get a movie quicker back in those days around 2000, 2001. If you had pay-per-view access, if you want to pay for it, you could. That that wasn't as common as On Demand became and the world we live in today. But somehow uh, it had a weird cable situation and when I lived in Lansing and Okemos. And we, I had access to it. And I watched it a few times. And I'd, I remember being annoyed. I remember being annoyed by the film. I do so recall that. You watched it a few times because you were annoyed by it? Well, yeah, once I I had paid for it, so I wanted I was like, okay, well I can watch this a couple of times, you know. So yeah. So you went like back to back over the course of like a couple of days and were annoyed mm-hmm. at the time. Interesting. All right. Oddly enough, twenty two years later, here I am paying for it again. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> wow. It's full circle. Circle of life. All right. So I expect this movie to be you know, it's probably it's a six. Somewhere in the sixes. I'm gonna say it's a six three. I'm going to echo that exactly. Can we do that? Can we just... That sounds right. Yeah, I'll say 6.32. This sounds exactly right. Wow. Actual retail price, 6.8. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I had a feeling it would be in the sixes. Uh, I didn't think it would be in the sevens, but it's pushing it. It's pushing it. It is. It's almost a seven. It's right there. 6.8 for... The Family Man, IMDb, and then, of course, over on Bozo Tomatoes, where we take a look at the (laughs) the reviews of films. It's not the be-all, end-all, but unfortunately, a 53% from the critics, a splat. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe a little derivative or saccharine for their tastes? Yeah, yeah. I mean, is it, it... It's not a wonderful life, but it's in that vein, right? It's a holiday movie about a guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's clearly right? inspired 
in part by okay. i mean like the Tittle's character cash is clearly clarence in a way and <laughs> um and I, well i also think there's some heavy like scrooge stuff going on with with the jack character too it's uh it seems like it's you know a bit of a hodgepodge of those somebody called Ooh. it uh capra corny <laughs> <laughs> nice by the way hodgepodge is a great term underutilized love it hodgepodge let's see hey thank you <laughs> let's see the reviewers uh how about neil minnow from common sense media mm-hmm. oh, yeah, Ple- neil. <laughs> pleasant movie despite some predictability uh that's succinct but accurate <laughs> that may that is in the running for the most succinct review we've ever had that's that a was- yeah, that was Destin Esk. Uh, let's see. How about uh, Liam Lacey from the Globe and Mail? A mm-hmm. series of moments, sentimental and comic, that never do add up to a coherent fable. Hmm. Okay. Ah! I really felt that from you. Ugh. How about... Uh, well, let's see. It was bone deep. Yeah. <laughs> that was bone deep. Uh, la, 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 la. A lot of reviews. How about Susan Stark of the Detroit News? Back in December 22nd of 2000, she said, The absolute choices it forces on its hapless hero are far too mutually exclusive to be credible. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, I don't. What's she saying? Yeah, I'm not sure I understand. Is she saying that this is not a, like that, the, that people's lives don't hinge on these moments of contingency? Is that what she's saying? Because I think that's patently, obviously. Is that, maybe I misunderstood her. I wasn't listening closely. I do not. I, the absolute choices it forces on its hapless hero are far too mutually exclusive to be credible. So they're not legitimate. The no, decisions. That's, well, that's the, I mean, that one, to me, one of the things that's always appealed to me about this movie is I can think of many like inflection points in my life where if I had done this instead of that or that instead of this, my life would have been vastly different. Doesn't mean it would have been better or worse or who knows, but it would have been different. And I think that's probably true for everyone that's a human. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's fair. I got great news, though. We got Desson Thompson checking in. <laughs> I know this will make both of you happy. You guys have seen this movie a lot. We got Desson Thompson's analysis from December 21st of the year 2000. This was on December 21st, 2000. Desson Thompson stated for the Washington Post, nothing more or less than a cheap, dirty grab at our Christmas spirit. (laughs) (laughs) Dirty grab. Oh, coming in hot. Desson. Coming in hot. A dirty grab. (laughs) A bit harsh. Ooh. A dirty grab. That makes it. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, that, that's that's like a, a moral judgment on the filmmakers. Like, how fucking dare you make this movie? Yeah, he <laughs> gave it a. He gave it one out of five stars. He definitely was not a fan. So. No, he he does not have a lot of uh, tolerance for like sentimentality. I've noticed in his reviews, he doesn't seem to really glob onto that very well. Yeah, maybe he's having a bad day too. I mean, everybody gets you know, everybody deserves a break, Destin. But Only we still respect we- your opinion. Only we could bring him on and ask him if it still holds up. I know. <laughs> God, what a dream that would be. Dirty Only grab. in dreams. Uh, last one here. How about this one from Joe Layden of Variety, which is mm-hmm. a place that knows movies. That's it, well. A slickly produced slice of sentimental hokum that borrows freely from a half ah. dozen or so other better feel-good fantasies. Okay. I... I think we all know that the best 
repeat day movie is Groundhog Day, right? Mm -hmm. But like mm -hmm. that movie started a whole new trend of movies, some of which are not so great, some of which are Palm Springs, you know, some of which are really good. Uh, I think that like to say that because something is borrowing, I mean, think of how many movies Psycho has influenced. My God, if you if you were to denounce every movie because you saw an element of Psycho in it, just it's like like you see an element of It's a Wonderful Life in this, then you wouldn't have a lot of movies left in the horror genre, at least. I mean, come on. I don't know. All, Seems all a bit unfair. Yeah, I mean, this is a very specific kind of subgenre the christmas fantasy you know that this glimpse is akin to a few other movies but um it enough to incriminate it for being derivative i don't know because for me it does do something new it sets up this all al uh, alternative reality from a different perspective this is a guy uh in jack campbell that enjoys his life unlike someone uh like uh jimmy stewart and it's a wonderful life who's on the precipice um, I think it offers something different while still paying homage to some of these fantastical tropes. <laughs> fantastical tropes. That's excellent. Sure. I love that. Hey, thanks for coming out. We're fantastical tropes. Look, <laughs> I really, when Travis picked this movie, I was like, oh, God. As we I have a really <laughs> negative vibe about this movie. Uh, that's my memory. That's my recall of it. But I went, I threw it on, and... I wanted to watch it from my older perspective. I'm now 20 plus years older than I was when I first watched it, which changes things no matter what. And yes, it borrows, but I don't give a shit about that because I don't, I don't think about it in that terms. I think about what are you presenting now? Are you entertaining me? Uh, are the characters motivations lining up with the script that you're creating here? These are the things I'll still focus on. Not those, that I could care less about what it borrows from. That's mm. that's okay. It's a Christmas movie with the fantasy perspective. So you know that it's part of a certain genre or subgenre of film. And that's for me, that's fine. I don't have a problem with it. But what I do have a problem with, I guess, back when I was younger is it was boring. Uh, I found the movie to be boring. Well, that's mm. never forgivable with a movie for me. Um, it can yeah. have a big payoff. But if a movie straight up is boring, then that's... We'll see if you feel that way today, and perhaps you do. Uh, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, yeah I, I, I have no you. idea what I'll, I have no idea what I'll say going forward. But wow. no, you, you got a so you got a great cast here. You know, like we said, Tia Leone, Nick Cage, Don Cheadle's in this briefly. Now, Don Cheadle is the the ghost of whatever, or the yes, he's a he's a spiritual uh, figure from somewhere. Maybe it's heaven. Maybe it's uh, some pagan yeah. place yeah. I've never heard of because of the organization oh yeah that's oh, right the organization okay. <laughs> but this movie this movie is snarky as hell you know really signified when nick cage really needs his help after he's thrown into this life that's i do like mm -hmm. that about this movie that nick cage just gets he wakes up there's no real setup other than the conversation he has with don Cheadle's character the night before at the party store with the whole lottery ticket thing mm -hmm. the next day he's in this world they don't explain anything to us and he has to figure it out while we're figuring it out and when he gets in the car with Cheadle after he's doesn't understand what's happening he needs his help and then Cheadle says okay i'll help you <laughs> drives off he takes off he drives off on him as nick cage is getting out of the car that's that was really funny and i think that signifies the the uh the hard sharp edge this movie has for a, a christmas film 
Yeah, and while we're on uh, the Cheadle character, I, I've always been really uh, taken with how he's presented. Because you're right, he's not in the movie a lot, but you you do get a sense that he is this old kind of spirit type thing that tests people. When you know when, when he's talking to Ken Leung, um, at the you know the the the, the guy that he's at the counter that they, they won't look at the actual uh, lottery ticket. Mm-hmm. He's there for him. He, that's why he's in the store. He's not there for Nicholas Cage or Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell fucking mm-hmm. interjects and then chases him out afterwards and calls him back when he's walking away from him. Like so, he really asks for it. But but I really like that. Clearly, he had gone there for Ken Leung's character, and then later on with the with that one girl, when he gives her back the incorrect change on purpose, it's like he's not necessarily going to take her on this other glimpse, but he is testing her like just checking her moral caliber and, and and i like that it's a fun little um way of, of of putting some richness into that character yeah and i like the way don Cheadle plays it it'd be very easy to be winking in the entire time at the audience and do this like bagger vance bullshit and i mean you got to bring up the magical black supporting character that throws you into the fantasy because this gets yeah. its finger pointed a lot at it but I think that's just unfair, man. Uh, I think Brett Ratner, for for all he's worth, just chose a really good actor that's interesting that could sell this fantasy in a believable way with this kind of street smart, no bullshit, like, hey, I'm just doing my job kind of (laughs) way. Yeah, he is. He like you do get the feeling that he does this all the fucking time. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I'll give it to you. You're right, Travis. I actually enjoyed that part of the film. Now, the. Complete randomness. This wasn't something that was set up from a divine mandate. Jack put himself in the situation. Yeah. He didn't he wasn't gonna this movie wasn't gonna be about him, although it was set up to look that way. It it just ends up being random. And I, I do like that because life is filled with randomness. And even if it is spiritual or supernatural stuff, all that shit is random. There's a lot of just luck and coincidental moments that are happening. So I will say that that hit me in a much more profound and enjoyable way this time around. I will say that about this movie. So kudos to the script written by the one, the only. It's two people. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, David. I forgot. <laughs> David Diamond and David Wiseman, the two Davids. You know what they did after this, don't you? No. I have no idea. Evolution, one of your favorite movies. Oh, oh what? No way. No Yep, there it is. The next year, when yep. in Rome and old dogs. Old <laughs> yeah. dogs. Oh, that was okay. So bad. Bit of a slump. Yeah. Yeah. yeah is that like wild hogs? Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! I was thinking of wild hogs. What the fuck is old dogs? Yeah, I, oh, the same thing. I know it, the one with Robin Williams. I think. Yeah, yeah it looks like the same thing. The other is just they're just old too. Yeah, they're old just sitting at a table. Are, same shit. Robin, <laughs> Is it Robin Williams and Billy Crystal, I want to say? Or no, I'm thinking oh, of Father's Day. Uh, fucking yeah. yeah. Anyways, I do. So I like that part of the film. Now, it did change for me in a positive way. So I want to give Travis kudos to that. But yes, Don Cheadle's hardly in this movie. I don't know if it's a big deal or not, but that's what really stuck out to me watching it this time is whoa, how long have we not seen Don Cheadle's character for now? Has it been an hour? It just, I don't know if it's a big deal or not. It was just an observation. The supporting character. I could use more Saul Rubinek. I mean, I love Don Cheadle, but give me more Saul. Oh, dude. Yeah. You know we all love the Rubinek. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was see. That's the other part of this film now that I'm even more enjoyable for me because I love Saul Rubinek so much now <laughs> that yeah, if he's in it, 
I'm immediately more warmed up and willing to enjoy a film because I just love his vibe. I love what yeah. Saul Rubinek does with every character he ever plays. And he shows his range by being two different versions yes. of himself in this movie. Yeah, we get we get both Rubinecks that we love. The warm, cuddly <laughs> Rubinek, and then like the like the hard edge, like tough badass kind of you Rubinek. little cocksucker! <laughs> <laughs> you stab me in the fucking heart! Yeah. <laughs> good for you. You stab me in the fucking heart. Oh, so um, good. Yeah, he's great. Um, is this deal even resolved at the end? Like, there's like 20 minutes of this deal cooked up. Is that, do they, like, do we even find out? I'm, I'm sorry. The markets are closed on Christmas Day. <laughs> like, who are we fucking kidding here? <laughs> no one's doing this. No one wants you showing up with their family on Christmas Day to like push this deal through. Like, no, it's not. I mean, like, I get it's like a conceit for the movie, but no. Sure, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's hilarious. You're right. That's, it's a, a very obvious concept that anybody in any era would know. Yeah, I mean, you know, no, no. And movie theaters and Chinese restaurants, man. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so what you got here is a guy who gets a redemption on a, or they both get redemption. Really, it is about both of them, right? It's not just about Nick Cage. It's Tia Leone, Leone and Nick Cage. It's set up in the beginning where this, you know, this fortuitous or maybe pointless moment, or was it? Was it just this one moment or not at the airport where he decides to go to London to follow his dream and he becomes the mm -hmm. master of his domain as a stock market legend? Or going the other way with the glimpse, which they do a really good job of saying this glimpse. is a glimpse, and they really refine it and clarify it for us as an audience, which is almost very obvious in a way, but I do like how they kind of describe it that way. You know that it's, I mean, I think that if it wasn't described as, to us as a glimpse, you'd still know that it was going to go back to his old life. So why, mm. why fuck around? Like, just let us, like, you know, telegraph it and so that you're kind of <laughs> dreading it with him. Because you're watching, I mean, one of the things I really have always enjoyed about this movie is it has such a pronounced arc for its protagonist. I mean, he, and he, and at the same time, it's not like, it's not, it's not like he's just running through the streets having a big dramatic, buy me the biggest, you know, uh, <laughs> goose you can't you know, it's not you know what i mean like it's 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 actually kind of a gradual arc because like yeah. the first month or so that he's there he's still ready to fucking you know have an affair with the neighbor sure. and stuff and he's, yeah. and he's still like hey this is whatever but by the end of it like he loves his daughter he says i've got kids i'm going home like it's and, it, and it's and it's gradual enough throughout the whole process of the movie that we're not smacked about the face with it which i've always really liked Ooh, and the kid reveals Right away, they say, hey, the kids are smart. Kids know what's going on. She knows that it's not her real father. I like that. Dude, I, 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 I like that. You got a precocious kid alert, Travis. How did you, how do you do with this one? She's always been one of my favorite of the most pre precocious uh, on-screen kids. I think she does a really good job in this movie. I think. Yeah, also, the only problem is she thought he was an alien. She got it wrong, dude. I, 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 I like that. She, I mean, I think she does a pretty good job in the movie. And I, think, and I like that she recognizes that it's not him. Mm. And especially the the payoff of her, you know, looking him in the face and be like, "Oh, I knew you'd come back," and it's still him. Like that's mm -hmm. very heartwarming. It's just so, for me, it's weird because every time I watch this movie, which is quite often, I always get really sad after the glimpse because, yep, I feel so bad for Jack because the glimpse probably it's got to be like how long do you think the glimpse is About two months maybe six weeks and to form this bond with these beautiful children and this family and these friends i always just get really sad when it's over and maybe it the destiny will reform it the way that he saw it in the glimpse maybe it won't not josh and annie right like mm. uh you know they're not 
but I also get the feeling, and, and you know, this is obviously the Marvel head in me coming out, but <laughs> I don't, I never felt like this is a tangential universe that doesn't really exist. I've always okay. felt like this is a legitimate alternate universe mm. that he's in, and th- these people all do exist in, in the multiverse, you know, and um, I don't know where that versions of Jack Campbell went, I guess, to the other guy. But um, but at the same time, like it is still like played with though, because time is frozen on Christmas Eve night for everybody ultimately. So it, like on one hand, I think it is tangential and not real. But on the other hand, I think it's like a real universe, if that makes sense. Well, you're gonna have to give me this in terms of Back to the Future 2 when the evil Biff steals the <laughs> almond act. Did that really happen? <laughs> I have a problem with the challenge of his life that he already has. He, he's he's got a great life. So it's not yeah. I don't I don't I like that. This What do you like? Why do you like that? Because it'd be really easy to make him like miserable and and like and and Scrooge-ish and just like and not really aware of how unhappy he is, but he likes his hmm. life. He he sings when he gets up in the mm-hmm. morning. He gets to sleep with random beautiful women. He's super wealthy, which he insists like throughout the rest of the movie. He's like, "I could have been the richest Forbes prick now um, <laughs> you know he, 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 he's hung up on wealth is because that's to him has always been how he defined himself and it's a success so he he loves his life and i like that because if he didn't love his life then maybe he wouldn't need the glimpse because you know he, he's he's motivated to change i mean when he when he walks into that board meeting at the end of the movie and he's like wearing like just normal person's clothes and it's like oh yeah, he's already like changed. Like he's just like he definitely comes out of this differently, and 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 he needs it, but he doesn't oh, know. It. That that interesting you bring that up, Mike. And I think those are very valid points, Travis. Um, this most recent viewing got me thinking. Like, what's wrong with being a successful bachelor that enjoys your life? Like, yeah. why is having a family and being in the suburbs supposed to be better than this representation? That's a good point, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And I, I don't think that the movie necessarily says that there's anything wrong with being a wealthy bachelor and liking it. I think the movie is saying that like he is a shallow person um, who's not really fulfilled in his life by anything other than his job and the wealth. So, yes. so those are two separate things. If you're successful and a bachelor and, and getting laid a lot and, and having and learning opera power to you and i kind of i don't really feel like the movie judges against those things specifically uh well maybe like the that's the thing i stand a little bit he, they're kind he of is fulfilled by those things so what, what there's nothing else that would like it's saying there's something wrong with only being fulfilled by wealth and success hmm. i do Look, think there's nothing wrong with only being filled but fulfilled by wealth <laughs> yeah i would agree with that but where i found myself challenged in this viewing is that area eric you're right i but i, I agree with travis that the movie doesn't necessarily put a slant on what they want to happen or expect or to say this life as a single bachelor who's a millionaire is way better than the family life. But it kind of does. It kind of does, I think. It does push the family life more. And I'm not sure why. And the only reason I say that is because it could only be just because of the character motivations of Tia Leone's character that she really is locked into this loving this house like when he gets a second chance to be the guy the super stud stockbroker in his new life he the one thing he does wrong which i'm 
I like it. He throws it on her. Okay. He just goes to this yeah. interview. He meets up. He takes his job. Doesn't discuss any of this with her. Just assumes that everybody would say yes to this wonderful life. But that's where I got, that's where I found the biggest struggle for me, guys, is when they're having that debate after he's been offered the gig about, you didn't tell me anything about this, Jack. And what about our house that we grew up in? I thought we'd be in that house forever. And that's where our real family is. But these are great perks. That's a really nice place. Okay. She did eventually, she said, only because I love you. Only because I love you. She still wasn't really with it, but the only exception was that she loved Jack so much, so she'd give everything else up, which I think would build a problem later. So I don't know what the movie's saying exactly. <laughs> I just know I found myself in this confused state. I was It was a conundrum for me. I'm like, what is the movie saying here to me, and how do I feel about this? Because... <laughs> I think a family life can be great, but I don't think it's any better than a single life where someone's wealthy, which can be great. I don't think either one is better. They're all individual choices for each one of us to make with our own lives. And, and I think that you guys make good points, but I, I don't know that like I don't know that the movie is necessarily saying having a family is better. Just that like for this person seeing what he could have been like the things that he could have placed value in had he gone down a different road he could have you know it, it would have he just would have been different and not necessarily better or worse of a person i don't know necessarily but but certainly different i like that the jack that he leaps into for to borrow from quantum leap um but the jack that he leaps <laughs> into is flawed himself he's been having a a, a long flirtation with his neighbor um and the bottle of booze the bottle of booze he's probably not the most happy guy either and and so there there isn't like this and I, and it's subtle enough but i think it's pretty there that it's not we're not being messaged that this is the perfect life that you could have mm -hmm. like it, it's a lot of it's about perspective yeah and it's a tricky thing because they're they're catering to like your middle class go to the theater on Christmas audience. And yet they're making fun of everything that that audience does and what their <laughs> life is for the majority of the film. Um, <laughs> but but it, what it's also doing is, is it's, um, it's mirroring every everyday life quite well. Like my life is nothing but compromise and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just life. Uh, and being 42 in, having the majority of my day just be constant work and constant sacrifice uh, doing this instead of, you know, writing like I'd love to. Uh, I think this movie illustrates that really well. And I have an issue with these critics who just call it sugary sap, like Ella, like the fucking family stone, which says pretty much <laughs> nothing about real people and, and ordinary lives. Don't get me started on the family stone. Ah, uh, there it is. I knew, that, I knew that would come. But Travis, let's go back to what you said because what Eric said there makes sense. But when I said I don't, that, no, it did. When you said that the character arc of Jack is well earned and is not just forced, I agree with that. But yet, at the same time, I am still, I'm still not sold that a guy who had it so good would make this radical change with all this shitty stuff he has to deal with every day to his perspective. The pissing baby in the air, you know, peeing up in the air and taking the kids to school yeah. and not being able to get his $2,400 suit and he has to settle for funnel cakes and yada, yada, <laughs> yada. Uh, and he said, it makes sense that he is turned and actually does fall in love with the lifestyle, but at the same time, it doesn't to me. I, I don't know how to explain it any other way than that. Well, how, about, how about this? Um, I mean, 
in a, in a, in a single person's life, which you lived a long life as a single person, just kind of living however you wanted to live. And now you live a life where you're a bit more compromising because you have a life partner and all that kind of stuff. I mean, in either sense, in either case, and I, and I've never, you know, been married, but I, I think I have enough of an idea from about the scenario to, to know that like, sure. There's, you're going to feel conflicted, right? Like part of life is like the grass is always greener. And, and I think that that's what's coming into play here is that there is no side of this that is like, oh, I am 100% engaged and on board and everything's perfect and this is great. Like, no, there's still always this peering over the fence. That might be the best mm. testament for this film is that mm. there is no clear answers in life right. in these situations with your relationships and the chosen paths right this is the path i'm going down in my life is it the right path is it the wrong path is it the path i want right you're right you don't know you just you have to look in the moment at the person you're in, you're with if you're have if you have a partner and you're involved with the family you have children you look at these immediate people and you say why do i love these people a b and c and then you start to branch out from there and this movie now that we're saying it like this is actually more impressive from that perspective because it does present these options. It doesn't force any yeah. character to go into them. It, it doesn't. It re- the script or the direction or the overall framing of the film, it doesn't force any character to do anything. It mm. just is the options that they have before them, and they, they seem to choose them of their own free will, which you know we could talk about free will and whether that's real or not, but mm-hmm. you get my point. And I mean, the movie has, um, I think, authentic sentimentality to it, which maybe turns off some people. But there's mm-hmm. there's two things, um, two filmmakers that we should touch on here um, that I think have a big impact on the movie. One being Danny Elfman. Uh, he had very much come into the phase of being like, hey, I'm not going to just make like the goofy fucking Tim Burton music anymore. I'm going like, <laughs> to. Yeah, exactly. Like this, and and that's and this is not that, right? This is different kind of Danny Elfman. This is the this is the, oh my the God. brief run he did where it's not immediately recognizable. Yeah, Danny Elfman. And hunting, another great score by his. Yeah, and it's it's more along those lines, right? Like it's more it's more like deep and kind of like uh, almost melancholy, but powerful without being like the ding 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 ding. ding. <laughs> um, and then the other the other point I'd like to make, my. I mean, one of my all-time favorite uh, cinematographers is Dante Spinade, who, there you, go. you know, Curtis Hansen was set up to do this movie, and then he left to do Wonder Boys, which thank God he did. And he took Dante Spinade with him, but clearly Dante Spinade had plenty of time that year uh, because he did this movie as well. And one of the oh. things I love about Dante Spinade is that the warmth, man, mm. the, the fucking mm. warmth that he can imbue every shot with mm-hmm. um, when he wants to. He doesn't always do it, but when he wants to do it, no one does like mm. these ambers and like burnt okras and stuff like he does. I mean, it's just so it's like, it's sure like looking into a pie. candle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it really is. And, and so candle the movie. <laughs> right. So I think with the music and that really rich cinematography, I think that also mm. in, in a weird way could work against it and make people not see the nuance that we're discussing in terms of the practical realities of these choices that he's making. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Brett Ratner's coming off rush hour. Okay. Yeah. Then he goes into this and he's just got a string. I remember back in the early 2000s, shake scratching my head every time this guy would get attached to these gigantic projects, Red yeah. Dragon, <laughs> with these monster casts. Um, X Men 3. Ah! X-Men, yeah, yeah. X Men 3. But uh, I love the way he tells this story, man. He. <laughs> 
he never completely he's on the edge of sappiness the entire time uh but, but in my opinion he doesn't uh, careen in, into the uh, abyss of it at all everything is earned in my opinion I was reading into him today and I'm like, what exactly is he accused of? And went, Oh God, I mean, it's not Kinsey level bad, but it's pretty fucking bad. Um, But I, I, I do have to give him credit because like he read this script and then fought for it for months Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. he really particularly liked the ending. He he liked Mm -hmm. that it didn't have like this, you know, like the, the big blow up moment, the movie kind of, it kind of just ends uh, and you, and it's a little bit ambiguous, but also not because the snow coming down outside this whole snow motif of like, it's like the, um, the helicopter seed in soul. It's like um, when the snow comes down, it's like, uh, I don't know. I see beauty in life or there's magic in life or something like that. Mm. And um, so you, you do get a sense that like, they're going to end up together, but still it's uh, for being a pretty Hollywood movie. It also doesn't, and, and derivative, it doesn't always follow the typical formulas. Most pointless piece of information from this film. Here we go. You ready? Bring it. The building, the building where shown where Jack works in New York is the same building in Baby Boom with Diane Keaton. Oh, that's there fun you go. Baby Boom. <laughs> hey, if I get a chance to go Baby Boom in the reference to the movie we're talking about, I'm gonna do it. But uh, is this movie fun? Let's talk about fun. Is it funny? Is it? I mean, Nick Cage, Travis, you are the resident Nick Cage mumbo jumbo. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of Nick Cagey stuff that happens in his character, and he can't help himself. And he's a great actor. I love Nick Cage, not as much as you do, Travis. But objectively, is this funny film? Um, I think there's levity to it. I don't know that it's a comedy. I wouldn't necessarily call it that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, not even a, that. Yeah, so you know, it's a it's a holiday fantasy. That's what I would call it. What I keep calling <laughs> right. it. Right. Um, so I think that yeah, it has moments that are funny, but I don't know that it's intended to be a comedy. Two things that make me laugh. Wicked Game on the soundtrack by Chris yeah. Isaac. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I'm so glad you brought that up. Thank I you, Eric. Of all my friends when we when got that song. <laughs> Second is the fact that every time my wife and I watch this movie, we'd laugh at the clear fact that Taylor Leone scrubs her asshole in clear oh view God. of the camera in that yeah. shower. Yeah. Like that's clearly what she's doing. She's she's working on the trunk. <laughs> yeah, another she's really getting into it too. I mean, that is some intense shower dancing. Ass scrub. She's yeah. gonna fall down, and she keeps that up. She gets older. She better be careful because that's risky. Oh, risky yeah. shower behavior. I hope, I hope it's like a tacky mat or something at the bottom of that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She could be in real <laughs> trouble. But yeah, Taya Leone. I haven't. Yes. You know, Let's I know talk you about said. Taya. She, yeah, let's do that. You said that she has a show, Madam Secretary, right? I've, yeah, I've never I've, seen it. But. I've never seen it either. It's network but, TV. I haven't watched network TV in a but long she, time. Yeah. <laughs> you kidding me? Yeah, the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Network television? Absurd. But I haven't <laughs> seen her in stuff in a while. I'm sure if I looked up her IMDb, there's stuff that she's been doing. But uh, I do miss her. I really like her in almost every role I can think of, whether she's playing this. I mean, she's funny. I think she's funnier than Nick Cage in this movie by far. That's really the point I wanted to express when I brought up the comedy part. I think maybe it's the lines she's given, but could be the way she delivers them, too. She's funny. I I am, as you said like i am a huge nicholas cage fan and um I'm, I'm the biggest nicholas cage fan that i know but i think she kind of runs circles around him a little bit in this movie she is really 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 good in this movie she i think she's utterly convincing 
Um, mm-hmm. I think that she, because it's it's a fine line that she has to walk. She has to be mm. believable, but she's like almost this perfect wife. And um, I think they do a pretty good job of, of like, uh, or she does a good job of like putting her tongue in her cheek to 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 do this stuff and and put up with him. And uh, I, right. I just think, I mean, like. I think she's really incredible in this. I think it's a really underrated performance. She also has to do something which is really tr- tough, which is portray a practical wife in a uh, familial relationship, but not just be the woman that's on his ass that he has to deal with, mm-hmm. but just a, a sweet, nurturing woman that wants the best for her family. And she kind of plays it like... I love the scene where, you know, she dresses up and she tries to look sexy. It's, 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 it's a little silly, but it's, it's very real. It's very honest. She's like this clipped kind of former beauty queen, but she plays it off endearingly. But that reveals a lot. That part where she goes to change and be even more sexy so they can make love because the kids are asleep. But it does reveal in a really, I think it's a great job. I'll give credit to, you know, Brett Ratner. It's funny that he's the guy who did this movie because (laughs) Taya Leone's character is not a nagging, it's not a stereotypical woman character that unfortunately you get a lot of wife characters played in these types of Mm. films. So I will give, that's surprising, especially since it's directed by Brett Ratner. If you know anything about his history, as Travis alluded to earlier. Mm -hmm. But the fact that Jack pretends to be asleep, that gives away so much without saying anything. That he knows how much she means to him without us telling us directly even though it's early in the film because he's like, i can't sleep with this woman yet this is such an right. important person to me in my life and i would feel like i'm taking advantage of her violating mm-hmm. some type of ethical boundary mm-hmm. and i and i think it, i really like that she doesn't get pissed she just kind of walks in and is like yeah okay. yeah like and clearly it's like not often that they're able to schedule sex and all that but um and she's but she's not put out by it which is which is cool Exactly. She's not nagging him and getting pissed about it, which is, do you just see that there's a ton of movies where that shit is done poorly. So I, I do I, have it's a, a good call. I do have a big complaint about their relationship and uh, well, maybe, not, maybe not a big complaint. I have a, I have a minor um, kvetch about the way they eat chocolate cake. Yes, that's it. Exactly. <laughs> Does anyone in real life ever do this? Every fucking movie. I swear oh. to God, there's always oh God. Like, people do not do this. If you start smearing food all over my face, I'm going to get pissed. What are you doing? <laughs> Yes, I have a beard, man. Yes, <laughs> doesn't happen. I've never done that at all. I mean, no I, one's ever done no. that, but it's in movies all the time. It is. You're right. They don't show it's... them having to like immediately get it into the washer before it's bedtime, so you can get it to the dryer before blah blah blah. Yeah, come on. No one's <laughs> I, I, their faces or their clothes. Yeah, I, I was I was thinking that because like the next scene is is him in the office, kind of finally looking around and be like, oh, who am I actually? I should probably find out. But like, I would have loved a little scene in between of him in the bathroom cleaning the cake off of his face like a fucking asshole. Oh, baby, you make me so hot. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, Jack. Tell me what I want to hear. Uh, did we ever figure out what it was that she wanted to hear? I love you. Oh, that's it? Oh, okay. Well, I thought it had something to do with that videotape that she had to say, la, 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 I love you. Not just I love you. So, <laughs> no, it's I don't know. But that also, that was a good example of using sentimentality in a way that isn't cheesy or forced. He watches that videotape of the birthday mm. party for her, mm-hmm. and he yeah. is... Yeah, it, it made me emotional. I was like, okay, that's well done. This is not forced. If he watched, if I was him and I watched that video and I was in the situation he was in, I'd be like, oh my God, shit. This is powerful stuff. 
You know it's what I never a- noticed before, real quick, is um, the neighbor that he's going to have an affair with. You can see her on screen in the video like while he's singing to her, and she looks bummed. Yes. Everybody else is cheering, and she's all <laughs> sad. I saw, I saw that. Yep. Um, that's such a key moment in this journey. I think Jack's journey is one of uh, uh, selflessness. I think that's one of the main themes here. Um, I love the end. Um, because it's it, it's Jack having to like um, it's it's Jack having to like stick up for his own wife and for the things he believe in to like to better her life, not just mm-hmm. his own. It's not just your main character like on his knees pleading to have that life back. He he wants the same thing for his wife or mm-hmm. just this woman, this stranger that that this potential could be there. It'd be so easy just to have uh Don Cheadle come in and be like, "Hey man, I know I called it a glimpse, but like heads up, surprise, <laughs> this, this is your life, man." And like everyone goes ha- home happy. <laughs> but it's this ambiguity that I didn't expect from from this type of film. You know what always makes me laugh at the end of the movie is this Funny. this one night stand that um she like goes home all the way to Jersey or whatever for for Christmas and the next morning like comes back like leaves her family on Christmas morning just to show up at his door and he just blows by her and walks off. <laughs> yep, that's, yeah, like, yeah oh, that's Christmas like, well, morning of all day. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't like the ending, Eric. Uh, really? In fact, I think I fast forwarded through some of the ending. I'm oh, not even kidding. God. Yeah, I did. I did. I got to tell the truth. I, can't. I mean, right now you guys have somehow got me in the mood where I'm really almost thinking that this movie might hold up now. But that's not what I was thinking earlier. So I got to remember my viewing experience. And that ending to me was just, it was lame. And I was like, oh, God, okay, we're in the airport. You got a beggar and she's going to yeah. take a shot. The way you described it is not invalid or incorrect. I just... I don't know. I don't. I don't even have a better ending either. So maybe saying that alone means that I'm not strongly set on a foundation here that I'm going to die on. I guess. I, I, all right. I, <laughs> I almost. I kind of agree with you a little bit. I. I do think they kind of maybe painted themselves into a corner a little bit when he starts. And it's always so funny to watch a movie that t- takes place before nine uh, eleven because, like, what are you doing there? Why, why are you with the boarding gate? What, go get, get back where you belong. Um, yeah. But when he starts like shouting to her about like Annie and the, the violin and like all this mm-hmm. stuff, like she'd probably be like, "What the fuck? This guy has lost his mind. Like he's not well. Yeah. Um, security." <laughs> Uh, but it, it works. I mean, it, like, but by, by that point of the movie, me personally, anyways, I'm ready to suspend whatever and just kind of be like, okay, like she 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 sees the 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 glimpse in his eye, I guess. Oh my god! By the way, it's a body double in the shower. What? That's bullshit. Well, that's what it says in IMDb trivia. But yeah, I, I, hope never, that's... I, always, I always take that with a grain of salt. I mean, there's no source for that. But right, yeah, she's in the shower. It's not like you see her nude. She's in a blurred. Anyways, that was surprised me. I thought that was really her dancing. If that's a body double, that's impressive uh, recreation of her dance skills. Also, <laughs> I just want to shout out Harv Presnell in this film. Good old Harv Presnell shows hey, up. Hey, Jack, you old bird dog. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I know. He comes in so hot, and you're like, oh, shit, this dad's going to be a, a – this father-in-law is going to be a big deal in this story. Nope. That's pretty much it. <laughs> we didn't get a lot of him after that. Yeah. Not that I needed it. It's just an observation because I like Harv Presnell, and he just makes me laugh. Sometimes yeah, say the dumbest thing. It just makes they me get- smile. We've also yeah. had Jeremy Piven popping in to do nothing oh! but like talk about how hot Jack's wife is, and he, he should it's be the uh, most thankful. chill. <laughs> it's the most chill he's ever been. He's 
This might be the least Piven role that Piven's ever Piven. played. You know, he doesn't. He's pretty chill, which is, I didn't know he could do that, frankly. I didn't. Um, I think it's funny that at that point, he doesn't have hair plugs yet, but Nick Cage does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. The bald man, I noticed these things. <laughs> uh, well, we're getting close. Anything else? Any other final notes here on the family man, guys? Well, you, I mean, this is so trivial, but I I want to shout out the the um, set design real quick. I mean, speaking of Big Ed, when they when he rolls up on Big Ed's yeah, shop, yeah. like um, the sign that is Big Ed's sign, like it, you can see the cracked wood and like the flaking paint and like flaking paint <laughs> on like the, the okay. paint on on the um, like on the brick wall of his lo- like it, it, they really did a good job of making not just that but like his his home like the the, the set the decorations all it, everything's so aged and like lived in feeling and um, familiar feeling. I think they did a really mm. good job with that. Mm. Oh, same bowling alley as the Big Lebowski as well. Oh no, shit. Yeah. Also, props. Speaking of production design, props for having like the house seem like an actual house that people live in, and not just yeah. a fucking gigantic mansion that's supposed to be the middle-aged suburbs. Right. Not a set. <laughs> it's not a set. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a very good one. I don't know what this is or how, but apparently Paul Servino had deleted scenes from this movie. I don't know what the character was, but that's he's referenced um, the 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 when Harv Presnell comes up and is telling Jack about like the third biggest whatever in the oh that, that he's account. the guy who runs hmm. that company. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Oh, okay. All right, that makes sense. I looked into it too because I'm like, well, oh, Paul Servino got cut out. I'm like, well, probably isn't really necessary. Rest <laughs> in power, Paul Servino. Yes, sir. Absolutely. All right. Well, should we round it up? Yeah. Well, Travis, you chose this one? You know, um, oh, did you guys notice that was Robert Downey Sr. in his house? Yes! Mm-hmm. Yes! Holy shit! I was like, what? Robert Downey Sr.'s in The Family Man? <laughs> that was, it really blew my mind. It blew my <laughs> mind. I'm so glad you brought that up. Thank you for saying that. A prince. Um, but, okay, so yeah, I'll dig into it. I feel like I've kind of shown my hand throughout the majority of this discussion. I I, I think the movie holds up. It, do I think it holds up exactly how much I loved it in 2000, like to 2005? Maybe not. I, I admit the shine is off the diamond a little bit, um, but it's also partly my fault because I've worn it out. I, I've watched it many, many times. Uh, most holiday seasons, you know, every other year or so, it's gonna it's gonna be on my watch list. Uh, but yeah, man, it's, it's a sweet movie. It's not an overly complex movie, but if you sit there and suss it out the way that we have, I think that you can dig deep and, and find nuance and, and, and weird fibers to pull apart. Like, uh, you know, in terms of the fantasy, in terms of how the, the mechanics of that works, or in terms of his life and, um, you know, their motivations, all that kind of stuff. I think it's an, an actually, um, a pretty it, the movie, like like the house, the, the, it feels lived in. You know, I just I just buy this mm-hmm. this glimpse, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. I think that uh, I think the movie's just a really sweet movie, and it holds up for me. Oh, okay. Well, I have real negative feelings from this movie from my earlier days of seeing it back in two thousand two thousand one. It could have been my life. Might have been miserable. Yeah, clueless young adult has no idea what he's doing. Mm. So uh, he's going to blame a movie for his problems. Uh, <laughs> fucking family see. man did this to me. <laughs> this is all because of the family man. <laughs> it's, 
It is a Christmas movie. And I don't know why I don't lock into that more. It's clearly a Christmas film, obviously. Oh, yeah, it's about no, the holidays. Of course. And I don't have that locked in my brain for some reason, and I'm going to have to adjust to that going forward. But <laughs> there is still something Promise? for me watching it that it's not entertaining at times. And I'm just like, oh, God, okay. This guy's got to figure this out, and he's got to go through this. And it's not the movie's fault. I'm not, I'm not saying it. It's just the type of film that it is and the character's arc. He's got to go through these events and learn from them in order to get to the other side. It's a time-honored Hollywood tradition. Nothing new there. But that's not the movie's fault. It, the more we've discussed it... <laughs> It's really changed my tune having a discussion about it with you guys over the last hour. That's pretty wild how that can happen when you watch a movie by yourself, one that you've seen before as well, so you have a predisposed notion. And now, you know, I, I feel like I'm being untrue to my original experience, but I, I think because of what the movie does and how it does it with these challenges of the you know the western civilization society of today the modern age and the choices you have to make whether you want to be married and have a family and go the contrarian route and just be your own person individually free bird it this movie really locks into that so more than it being a christmas movie or anything else like that it's a great movie for you if you're out there and you're struggling to come to terms with your own situation what do i want to be when i grow up when you're already 40 you know, things like that. This is a great movie for you to dive into to find uh, a reference point to think about it, your life, and then the example given before you in the film. I think it's a wonderful opportunity, and I didn't really realize that until we talked it out. Now that we have, I think, I, I think I'm going to say the movie holds up, and I can't believe I'm saying that right now. Uh, it, it's kind of blah at times for me, but it's... It's pretty strong as a script and a story design. And I'm going to I'm going to say holds up. Crazy. Yeah, I'm really happy to hear that. Um, <laughs> I come back to it. I come back to it all the time because it it gives me a, a ton. I'm the type of person that looks back all the time. My mind drifts away. What could have been? And I I take a lot of stuff for granted in my life, and I'm reminded of that a, a lot. And I think for good reason. When I first moved to Chicago, I was already in my mid-30s, and I wanted so badly to go to Second City where all the legends started in Chicago. And mm -hmm. I was talking to my wife about how I wanted to join this improv program, and it was like $365, and we simply didn't have the money. Uh, but I thought I deserved it because I worked hard, and I thought I was destined to try this out, and I needed it for my life. And Jack Campbell does the same thing. I love that scene with the suit. And I love the fact that his wife gives him something comparable uh, to make him feel better about himself. And it's these moments that ring very true to the real world. Uh, and there's a huge difference between acquiescence and compromise. And you don't see a lot of movies tackling that, especially a, a holiday movie that usually is sappy and sugary like these critics accuse it of. Uh, the movie is mostly about getting the best qualities out of yourself or at least being reminded of them. Jack didn't start out as a bad person. Uh, he's not even really a bad person yeah. in the beginning. He just no. kind of forgot that he has great qualities. I think the movie does a really good job of <clears throat> uh, showing us that not just like the, the, the importance of remembering 
who we are or what could have been, but like what we still could be under our given circumstances. I love the film. Holds up completely. Clean sweep. That is a clean sweep. Congratulations, Travis. A fine choice for this holiday season. The Family Man, starring Nick Cage and Taylor Leone, is now available for you to watch uh, wherever the hell you guys watched it. Well, I do feel like last time or every time you do this, Mike, you come out on the next show and go, yo, actually, I got to be true to myself. I'm going to rescind my earlier. Oh, it holds shit, up, here we bro. go. It's happened. Oh, bye. Oh, boy. Hey, we'll see. By hey. the way, I did uh, take that improv class and I fucking hated it. I was a nervous wreck every time <laughs> I went there. And I was so glad when it was over because it was torture trying to be funny all the time. God damn it. That never is not joined. you. Never joined that unscripted free-for-all knowing oh, not what will happen in every moment that is not terrible you. <laughs> not me kudos for you to you for trying though thank you yes absolutely right that's now i know i don't have to do it like as i've done it now i don't know it uh, now i know that it's not for me yeah oh, it's nothing yeah. like it nothing like the power of knowing something for mm-hmm. real <laughs> cross it off the list for real got, it's great got the glimpse you got the yes. clips. All right, there it is. The family man, we did it. This has been a wonderful show. I've enjoyed this conversation. If you heard something you'd like to comment on, you can comment on the YouTube video and subscribe to our channel while you're there, Cinema 9 Pod, or send us an email, cinema9pod at gmail.com, and we would love to read it on the air. And as always, if you don't want us to, we won't, but um, usually people do. Right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, <laughs> all right, so uh, uh, we're going Mike. to Eric next week, right? That's where we're going. Eric yeah, Brasher, Eric, you uh, Eric next. Okay. I'm ready to offer you gentlemen a choice. Um, now we can either stick with the Christmas season, and I can offer you a yes. film that takes place during Christmas uh, that very well may hold up, or I can give you the other film, which is a fucking wild card that we actually hinted at earlier in this episode, if you can believe it. This tends to happen on Cinema 9 sure podcast. Does. It's very strange. What do you mm. want? Boy, uh, I want more Christmas movies. Oh, that's obvious what you want. Uh, I did like this teaser, though. I'm very curious what this film is, and I feel like if we don't go for it now, will it go away forever? Oh. Well. Is this Good. a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity? I'm torn. I'm really torn. I, I would kind of like to go in a different direction, but I also understand that, you know, the rest of the year is not for Christmas movies, for holiday movies, and so I guess, yeah, let's go with the, the holiday movie. <laughs> you sound so excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> He's pissed again. We're going to get a mean text. Yep. <laughs> From 2008. It's time to go back and uh, revisit a film that I loved and only saw one time uh acclaimed but uh i mean that was 14 years ago and we got to ask ourselves if it still holds up uh from uh uh, universally applauded director uh martin mcdonough in bruges oh Oh, is that a christmas movie i forgot about that what Mm -hmm. takes place during christmas that's why i said it's not necessarily about christmas but we're gonna get that flavor Bruges. I think Christmas. I know how I feel about this one, but it'd be, it'd be, I've only watched it once as well. So yeah, uh, maybe twice, but yeah, I'm ready to revisit. Good call. Yeah. Uh, Martin McDonough. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, seven psychopaths. Uh, there's another one that's even, uh, didn't he do three billboards? Yeah, he did. Yeah. And that yeah. isn't he behind that new banshees of uh, something it, or other, uh, some fucking Irish word. I can't say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like Sorsha Ronan. I never knew how to say or see it. And then someone said, oh, it's Sorsha. I was like, oh, shit. Sorsha. I never would have got that. Okay. Eric, fine choice. This is 
I did not see this coming, but I am glad that we chose this film. And uh, next week, we'll be here for you live on Thursday. Now, we do have a scheduling quirk, so mm. we'll be a we're trying to do the show every Thursday again. We announced this recently. We're only doing it Friday because Travis wasn't feeling well. We wanted to give him some more time to rest up. Yes, thank you. And then next week, but, you know, it's a busy time of year, so Eric has some conflicts. We're going to do it Thursday night next week. So. Thursday late night? Some point, right? Right, because you you're, you're busy. Thursday I got a pageant. <laughs> I also have yeah. a Christmas pageant. I got to get to pageant time. Yay! <laughs> So. Well, either way, it'll be next Thursday evening at some point. If you want to catch it live, you can see it on YouTube, Cinema 9 Pod, or just listen to it on your preferred yeah. podcast platform. Five-star rating. If you follow us on, on YouTube, you can just click notify me, and you'll be, you know, you'll, mm. little, you'll get a little pop-up message when we finally fucking go live whenever we get around to it, because we're not very <laughs> good at scheduling our lives. Pop-up video. All right, that Ooh. sounds good. Yeah, that's what you reminded me of when you just said pop-up. That's it. Thanks, everybody. Hope you're having a wonderful holiday season. And if you're not, it's totally acceptable. In fact, it's very common, so don't feel like you're an outcast. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your lives, and we'll catch you next time on the Cinema 9 Podcast. I choose us. <laughs> Those are good to Kajra. <laughs> <laughs>